Welcome to the Hustlers Manifesto podcast. We jailbreak from toxic hustle culture. We take Hustler back from a belief that bigger is better, security is contingent on compliance, and freedom is reserved for the powerful. I'm your host, Sarah Durant. I'm not here to tell you how to make a quick buck. I'm here to change the way work is done so that we can live more meaningful lives right now instead of betting on an uncertain future. If you value this content, please rate it and comment on this podcast wherever you get it. If you're a freelancer, consultant, or solopreneur who needs better strategy for your business, learn more about what I do at fruitioninitiatives.com. Thanks for being part of the movement. Hi, Hustler and Manifesto listeners. Sarah here with a quick announcement before we get into the episode. This episode has so many amazing strategies for planning for your new year as a freelancer, consultant, or solopreneur. And if you're ready to take the next step in your business and start running your business like a boss, instead of getting stuck in these employee mindsets that keep tripping us up, I'm running a very special New Year's planning workshop series called the Freelance Flight Plan. You can join me for a group session where we're going to dive deep into a fresh strategy for your business, how you're going to get better clients, offers, messaging, and money and time and everything else in 2024. Plus, we're going to make you a solid plan to bring all of your new ideas and big dreams to fruition. If you're interested in joining us for this workshop, you can go to fruitioninitiatives.com slash workshop, or I'll drop the link below this video on YouTube or in the show notes, wherever you get this podcast. Enjoy the episode. Hi, Anna. Hi, Sarah. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm doing really great. It's headed toward the end of the year. So trying to get everything wrapped up. Yep. I love it. Um, It is that time of the year. A lot of folks I've been talking to are like, you feel this simultaneous pressure to like, do a lot of things and you're also like but I also want to take time off so maybe I'm just going to triage and like push a lot of things into January um it is a real um it's a real balance I think this time of year of like what what to do what to triage what to not do yes and it is my busiest time of year always um I am a freelance content marketer so a lot of content teams are trying to eat up their budget for the rest of the year. So I will get a lot of requests. And for years, even before I was self-employed, I always take time off at the end of the year. I let my clients know very far in advance. But in the United States, there's this brief window between Thanksgiving toward the end of our November. And then when I disappear (laughs) in December. And so it feels very much like, rush, 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 get everything done in about a three week time period. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, and where we, I will link the previous episode that you did with us because I know we've like gone like very deeply into like the three questions we ask everyone about who you are and your work and everything like that. So I will link that, but like maybe for the folks who haven't listened to our previous episode with you, give us just like a quick, um, like you mentioned, you're a content marketer. Tell us a little bit about who you are Um, and what you do. So I, most of my work is freelance writing. Um, I am a content marketer and 
journalist. Uh, so I mostly specialize in financial technology, which is a super niche area. Um, and so most of my clients are kind of in that space, uh, or I, I have some that are in other niches and under other industries as well. But I do all long form content. So blog posts, ebooks, um, ghostwritten thought leadership, things like that. And then because I don't write enough during the day <laughs> for my client work, I also write on Substack, Medium, I have a website. Um, I'm probably forgetting something else in there. So I basically write all day, every day. Mm -hmm. And you're, um, I mean, A, you're one of the best writers that I know. And I love all of your, con all of your content. Um, every time everywhere. I write, all, everywhere. Every time it hits my inbox, it's one of those ones that I don't skip it because I know it's always going to be good. So we'll make sure to have, put all those links below as well. Um, and I think the, the reason that I wanted to have you here is because in addition to all of those other things, um, I think you are one of the most organized, um, people that I know. And it's like, it's, I think you and me share that it just is something that comes a little bit naturally to us when maybe it doesn't come as naturally to everyone else. Um, and so having a conversation about, what freelancers should be doing at the end of the year and looking forward into a new year is a conversation that I wanted to bring you in on because I know I know and we'll talk through like some of the things that you're thinking about either wrapping up your year and take and being prepared to take that time off and how you're looking forward into the new year. So what's really interesting about this topic in particular is before I went into freelancing a few years ago. Um, I was an executive at a financial technology company. And so part of an executive team always includes year end and then strategic planning in January. So I had gone through that exercise at a company level, very small company, but at a company level many times. Like how do we get our current year wrapped up? Like what are kind of the loose ends that need to happen? And then immediately in January, after kind of coming back from the holiday season, what do we think about as we're looking forward for the next year? Like what kind of a retrospective on what happened, what do we need to change, and what do we plan to do? So I'm very used to this exercise and also kind of have brought that mentality forward into my freelance world. And I... That is such an important thing for framing this, I think, because something I've been harping on all year is what I refer to as boss mindset and really helping freelancers think about their businesses as businesses um, and plan. doing that type of strategic planning is a key piece of that. I think that is something that I also help, I think, some of my like clients do to your point. Like it's something that's sort of ingrained in me no matter what. So I've sort of always done that for my business. But I think it is something that um, a lot of freelancers and consultants and solopreneurs don't always do in a very meaningful way because to, for some of us, we're not really thinking about our business as a business. Um, and so I think that framing is really important for this conversation is like in order to in order to get what you need out of your business and in order to show up like a business with your clients, um, doing this type of really intentional and thoughtful, like both backward looking and forward looking type of planning and reflection is super important. Right. And if you've never 
done that for yourself or have done that in a company, you may, you don't know what you don't know. Totally. You have no idea what you should be thinking about or what makes sense, you know, especially for a solo person versus like what a company does. Um, and so I, I think that's sometimes a really key piece that's missing for, for freelancers when we talk about like, oh, year end wrap up and then plan for next year. Well, what does that mean? What does yeah. planning mean and look like? Yeah, I, I 100% agree. So let's tell us what it looks like for you. Let's start there. Well, I'll start a little bit with kind of what it, what I did at a company level, because I think there's so many things that then I brought forward into freelancing. And so like, why did a company do this? Why did it make sense? And then kind of how I do it as a freelancer. Um, so at a company level, there were two big things. And one was always um, kind of company key performance indicators or KPIs for the whole year. So big one was um, how many new customers came in and how many customers were lost and why did we lose customers? So that was a kind of an important retrospective, like is the business growing? Did we gain more than we lost? And of the ones we lost, do we know why? And kind of what's the pattern of that? And so when I would prepare that at the company level, there was like a history, like years and years and years, like this just kept building over time. And I think that's important for freelancers as well. Like, are you losing because of price? Or is it losing because of the, the offering? Are you losing just because of the the client's budget? You know, it's what what is going on there for any clients you lost? Um, and then financial, um, you know, at the end of the year or the very early January um, to prepare a full year company financial statement. What was all of the income that came in? What is all of the money that went out and categories for all of that? So, um, and then, you know, as you're a freelancer for longer and as the company did as well, you can do a comparison, you know, what's this year compared to last year? What's this year compared to the year before? Um, my accounting software does that, you know, I'm able to just quickly pull a report and see everything. Um, but for freelancers that maybe don't have that built into their software, you know, a spreadsheet or something where there's a really good breakdown, you can see what are your different sources of income or what are different expense categories. So those are kind of the retrospective things. Strategically, then it was, what's my budget? for the new year. Um, am I going to spend more in any of these particular categories or was I spending too much? I look, at my, I look at my, you know, report and think, oh, wow, that was way too much in that category. And I want to scale back. Um, and then it was about what's going well, you know, we kind of want to maintain and then what are the opportunities for growth? So, or what do we want to do differently? Maybe you're not in a growth place, you really just want to maintain, which I totally get and understand as well. But then basically, how do I maintain this? Um, how do I keep getting the clients I'm getting and keep them happy? Or what do I want to do differently, either to earn more money, spend less time with clients or anything for you that you consider growth? So I think all of those things, which apply at a company level, also absolutely apply to a freelancer. Yep. Um, 
Yeah, I think though, like I think you're hitting on all the things that I look at um, for my business. I think retroactively, um, I think one of the thing that you're hitting on with like clients, like is your business, did your business grow over the last year? What are your different income streams? Like those kinds of things. Um, I think that's a really important thing for freelancers to be looking at systematically. And like, maybe we're not always giving ourselves the time and space to be able to do that. I think the other thing that that makes me think of is like, how do you even know that that's true? Like how, like, I think the financial piece of it is definitely one where you can hopefully, I think some people have better systems than others. Hopefully you can kind of see the money that you brought in over the last year and the way that that was broken out across the different areas of your work. Um, but also just thinking about like client satisfaction, um, like are people, are people, do your clients feel like they're getting what you need? Are clients coming back? Are clients leaving, which you hit on? And then I think the other thing that I'd add specifically for solopreneurs, which I think at a company level, you're looking at this in terms of, um, your staff and your, and your team. But when you're an individual solopreneur, you're also thinking about like, how did I feel about my business over the last year? Like, did I, did I overwork myself? Like, do I feel like my systems are working? Did I like, like, maybe you brought in a bunch of money, but you're like, I really don't like doing like some of those income streams anymore. And maybe I need to think about new ways of doing what I do in the coming year. Um, so I think for an individual, which is something that I do like for myself, like personally for myself, but also at a business level is like really asking yourself a lot of questions about like, how did you feel <laughs> about the yes. previous year? Yeah. Um, and if you had goals, did you hit them? I think that's another thing like for the looking forward. And we can talk about that too, about like, what does it look like to make goals? But if you had goals for the previous year, how do you know if you hit them? And if you didn't, why? And like, what are some of the things that maybe you checked off that weren't on your list that weren't necessarily a goal, but something that you achieved um, um, in the past year? Yeah. And another um, thing that I thought of that would make a lot of sense for, well, a company, but but for solopreneurs as well is any prospects that came in that did not choose you. I just went through this exercise because I keep, I have a CRM and I keep track of all of that. Um, and I just went through this. I did it a little bit in advance of year end. And I looked at, you know, every you know prospect that I talked to or emailed that, um, I, that I had some kind of definitive answer on why they did not choose me versus like ghosting me. Cause then who knows? Um, but, you know, for those who did not choose me, it was price misalignment overwhelmingly. Um, and so that has led me to now go through a giant exercise of adding pricing to my website to be more transparent, to make better use next year of my time and not taking calls that aren't going to lead to anything. And also their time. I mean, it's a waste of their I mean you take a call and it's the last question that they ask is what is the price? Nobody leads with the price question. Mm -hmm. um, and so if it's, if it's just completely out of whack, there's no reason to take the meeting. So for me, that makes sense to just put that on my website. So that's kind of, you know, if I had waited until the end of the year, I would have come to the same conclusion. <laughs> Nothing's going to change between now and then. Um, and then another thing I think to your point about staffing is even though as solopreneurs, we may not have staff, we may look and say, 
can I outsource somebody to help me edit a video? Can I outsource to a tool that's going to make my life, you know, $15 a month tool that's going to make my life so much easier and basically free up my bandwidth. So I think those are important ways, you know, short of hiring an employee, but basically are there ways that you can buy more time in your day by doing less yourself, delegating to a VA or some type of tool? So I think there still is kind of like a staffing slash bandwidth question. Totally. I think there's definitely like a time uh, audit for like a time and systems audit is kind of the way that I think about that. Um, which is obviously also connected to like all of the the financial questions and examination as well. The other thing I hear you saying, which is which is um something that I'm always encouraging people to look at is like reevaluating, like you're touching on thinking about the clients that didn't come through and why. And that's also a mechanism for you reevaluating both like your services slash offerings and your pricing. And so I think a lot of like, I think a lot of us can get to a place at the end of the year where you look back and you're like, okay, I like, again, similar to what I said before, you're like, okay, I did. These are the things that I did in the previous year. And of those things, like this thing, I was able to charge a lot more money for, or this thing I liked a lot more, or this thing really, I felt like really resonated with clients, like really pushed the needle for someone in a way that this other thing didn't. And so how am I, how am I using that information to, to really intentionally think about my services and offerings? So like, what am I doing? And then also thinking about what am I charging for that moving forward? Because I think the end of the year slash going into the the next year is a really good um, opportunity to be able to increase your prices for your clients. It's such a kind of a natural like touch point in the year where you're like, hey, next year and prices are going up X amount. Depending on what you do, that might look different, like that might look different for different clients or different way your contracts are structured or whatever it is. But um, that's another, like, I think you're hitting on another really important thing to be thinking about. Yeah, Um, absolutely. It's like, I think it is totally natural for freelancers to send an email at the beginning of the year and say, Hey, thank you so much for your partnership over the past year. Um, here is my new pricing. And I look forward to it and almost, almost make it not an option, you know, just say like, I I look forward to our continued partnership. I look, you know, just assume that it's not so astronomical that it's um, going to be fine. And also that it's understandable, you know, cost of living goes up, things like that. It's fine to, I mean, if you were an employee, you'd probably get a raise at some point in the year for a cost of living adjustment of nothing else. So Yeah. And all those things fit together. Right. Because I think when you're putting that forward, like hopefully we're all growing and getting better at what we do year over year over year, which means that we should be charging more for it over time while we're simultaneously like refining, um, depending on where you are sort of in like the, the stage of your business, also possibly like refining who you do it for and like how you do it. So like, thinking about maybe getting narrower about the types of people you're targeting or maybe getting narrower, narrower, more quote unquote productized about the types of services you're offering. So you're year over year, you're both charging more 
and you're getting tighter about who you do it for and what you do, which then just increases your your ROI more and more and more over time. Yeah. And another thing I'm going to do as I head into the new year, and I'm probably going to do this right around the beginning of December, is send an email to all of the clients that I worked with this year, whether they're currently working with me or not. Um, Because most cases we ended on good terms. It was usually a budget issue or it was a temporary, um, you know, it was a specific project or something like that. And just say, hey, you know, thank you so much for the work that we did together this year. Um, I really appreciated the work. Um, And I might include like a little fun thing about my family or something that kind of connects them to me personally. But just to kind of I don't want to do a hard ask like, oh, and if you need me in the new year, come find me. I want it to be very like, I appreciate our business and I want to thank you for that and remind some clients that I exist, you know, if they um, just had a budget issue or something like that, or in some cases uh, in my type of work, the person that I was working with is no longer with the company. And there's somebody else and that person doesn't know I exist. So it's a good opportunity for me to just kind of do a token, you know, an appreciation and, um, and be, and be grateful for them and for the work that they gave me and remind them of that. Yep. And I think that like circles that's again, circles back to this, like, more like boss mindset type of concept of like thinking about yourself as a business because that is what that is what businesses do at the end of the they year. They send right? out a thank you email at some point in December and they yeah. say we are we love you and we're so appreciative yep. of you. And even if it's not a direct ask, yep. It's a reminder and it's a, a reason to appear in the person's inbox. Yep. And I I mean like I think the way your work is structured is very different from the way my work is structured. So this probably doesn't make sense for all types of um, freelancers or consultants out there. But um, the client facing side of my business, like I have a handful of clients which with like pretty high long term retainer type of contracts. And so the other thing I do at the end of the year is I send them like a physical gift. And I'm sending that to like five people. So like different people have different structures of work. If you have 30 clients. And they're, you know, and it's a much smaller fraction of your income. That might not make sense. But um, it is something that I do for all of my like long-term retainer clients is I send them like a physical gift at the end of the year that is very thoughtfully chosen. Like, it's not like I'm just ordering some nonsense and sending it out to each part to the same thing to every person. Like, I'm literally choosing something that I'm like. I am, this is reflective of the relationship that like the ongoing relationship that we are going to have together. But I think no matter how that looks, that's like a really, really important thing to do with both your current clients, past clients, um, having some sort of touch point at the end of the year, which also leads into, I think, like all of the retrospective things, I think also lead into the forward looking things. And that is also like, especially that kind of email is also a signal Um, where you can also be proactively thinking about your pipeline for the coming year and your budget for the coming year. Um, So I have my budgets. I have my budgets in like I use QuickBooks to manage all my actual bookkeeping, but I have projections and budgets in a, in a template that I use for that. 
all the way out into, I think at this point, like 2026, mostly because of the nature of my work and how my contracts end up looking. But um, I'm like, not just looking at that at the end of the year, I'm looking at that, like, almost every week, like adjusting being like this thing came in, I wrote myself into a grant for this thing that starts in 2025, like whatever that is. Um, But really thinking about your pipeline. And I think an email like that is a good signal um, like some people, not that you're, you're not asking for work in that email, but some people may reply to that email and be like, Hey, I'll, actually we'd like to think about like, what can you do this thing for us in February or whatever it is. So it's also like a way to start thinking about your pipeline and your budget, um, projections moving forward. Yes. And my work is, like you said, very different. Uh, most of my work is very short term. Um, I do a lot of almost all of my work is ad hoc. So clients literally drop things in my lap. And so I don't project out very far. Uh, but what I do is have a budget for a low, medium and high. Mm-hmm. And so like at a bare minimum, what can I probably expect based on my current client workload? Um, kind of an average, like this is what typically comes in almost every month. And then a high, like on my best months, this is what it look looks like. So then by doing that, I can kind of adjust as I'm going through the year, like, okay, I'm doing mostly medium, mostly high. Oh, I've got a low month. This is how I can adjust for things in that particular month so that I'm not completely out of whack. And, you know, I, I don't have to think about it at that time. Instead, I can just say, yep, I'm going to go to low budget this month. Yep. Um, and here are the things that I can that are within my control. Yep. And I think the other thing that I, I mean, A, I think those two types of examples are super important because all of our work looks different, right? Like absolutely, everyone's work is structured differently. Everyone prices their work differently. Everyone gets their work differently. Pipelines look different. Projections look different. Month to month income looks different. So um, I think having different examples of how to do that is so, so important. Um The other thing, though, that I'm thinking about is because I know you have like a very specific way that you do this is going back to thinking about like the time versus money like equation that I think as freelancers we're constantly doing is planning for. And again, this circles back to like, again, thinking of your business as a business. When you're a business, you don't just budget for your time and your money. You also budget for things like time off. You budget for things like I'm going to have to pay for these benefits or I'm going to have to pay for this platform. I'm going to like there is overhead. Our overhead definitely isn't as high as someone who runs a company, but there's overhead and that should be factored in to you the way that you're pricing your work so that your time money scenario balances out. And I know that you actually have a really interesting way that you think about pricing your uh, or not pricing. Well, sort of. Um, thinking ahead about I'm going to take X number of days off this year and how do I factor that in to my budget planning? I do. And um, so I I call it my, you know, basically my vacation savings plan. But, you know, if you were an employee, for most part, you'd probably take a week off at a time. Um, I don't think as much about like a day that I might not work, you know, like a sick day or, you know, kids don't have school that day. So I'm more thinking about like taking an entire week. And for me, um, that means no income for that week because I am, I am charging clients per deliverable. Um, so I don't have any deliverables for those weeks. So I look at... Um, you know, there's 52 weeks in a year. 
And so I look at, you know, if I took my total income and divided it by 52, what's that weekly amount? And then basically, if I want to take four weeks off during the year, that's the amount that I have to set aside. I have to be able to maintain that same level of income. I have to be able to quote unquote, pay myself those weeks. I have to be able to pull from basically a savings account in order to not have to work more like frant, you know, I don't want to, the goal is not to shove more work into fewer weeks. If I have a month and I'm working three weeks instead of four weeks, I don't want to do four weeks worth of work in three weeks. That's <laughs> that defeats the purpose of going on vacation. Um, so I basically have a weekly earning amount. And so if I want to take four weeks off, then I, I take that weekly amount. I multiply it by four. That's my total amount I need in savings. And I divide it by 12, 12 months. So I need to be able to put, let's just say it's you know $400. I need to be able to put $400 a month into a savings account so that when those weeks happen, I can pull from that account. The other benefit to that is if I had an absolutely terrible month, it doubles as a rainy day fund. I could pull from that account if I really needed to um, and ha- and rather than be completely off for the month, I could just pay myself from that account. Um, so I, I like to take a lot of time off. So I'm planning for six weeks next year. Uh, so I have a, a G sheet where I put in my total income. I put in what, what does that equal per week, multiply that by six, divide it by 12, that's the amount I need to put aside each month so that I can take those times off when I want to. Yep. And then you can build that, like that savings account amount. You can build that in as a line item on your budget. So you're like, yeah, it is a line budget- item. It is my blind item on my budget. Yep. So for when I look at how much I spend per month, that transfer into my savings account is one of those line items, along with, like you mentioned, learning and development. I put in an amount um, per month that will cover like if I take a course, um, I would like to attend a conference next year, that's going to be expensive <laughs> with travel and the, the price of a ticket to get in. I need to factor that in. Um, so those are kind of additional budget items that I think about and prepare for. But to me, those are also things that could come out. They're not hard costs. Right. Some of the tools I pay for, those are hard costs. I cannot cancel G Suite. (laughs) I need to pay for G Suite every month so that my email functions. I need to pay for my website hosting. So those are non-negotiable. So I have it broken down into the things that I must pay for and the things that I could pull back on if I had to. Yep. Um, What? So... shifting to talk uh, well and already we're talking about it in a money like a money sense and i think we're obviously all of these things are connected our time is connected to our money and both of those things are connected to the way we're thinking about our business to the way we're structuring our services and offerings to the way we're structuring our business model um and i love that you're bringing in this line item around um learning and development professional development whatever people want to call it because i think that is the most neglected line item on any freelancer's budget. Um, It's something that, again, if we're not thinking about ourselves as businesses, that we're not 
necessarily thinking that we should be investing in ourselves. Um, and I think a lot of freelancers get by with um, what I think a lot of times are often really solid free things on the internet, right? But um, I think invest um, setting goals around learning and development, skill building, and dedicating the money to that, which then feeds into your full budget picture, which then feeds into the way that you're pricing your work, right, um, is really important. And it leads me to think about, like, how do you go about um, also setting, like, goals for, their, for an upcoming year? So shifting to think a little bit about, like we were talking about, the, what does the strategic planning process look like? looking forward? So um, in 2022, that was my first full year as a full-time freelancer. I had freelanced on the side for two years prior to that, um, but it was very much a side hustle alongside a nine to five job. So that was the year that I really had to think like, okay, what, what does this look like as a a real business versus a business that supplements my W-2 income. And so my goals for 2022 were actually very simple. One, like maintain, you know, get enough money. <laughs> um, but then as a freelancer, um, my goal was to appear on 12 podcasts for the year. Um, because I think that that is an effective way to get my name out in the world. Um, and that's just part of my strategy because most of my work is inbound. So people hear me, um, reach out, things like that. So it's kind of part of a larger ecosystem that works for me, but that was a very tangible goal. You are number 12. Congratulations. Thank you for helping me reach my goal. <laughs> <laughs> I may have one more in December, so then I'll have surpassed it. But that was like my very, so outside of a money goal, mm -hmm. because we're all going to set a financial goal oh. for ourselves, you know, this is how much we want to earn. But it's like, what could, what's the thing that I want to do to really support my business? And so that was the goal that I set. I do keep track of things like um, followers on LinkedIn um, impressions. So I do keep track of some social metrics as well, because I think there is a correlation between that activity and my inbound work. I have not yet set goals around those. So that's kind of something I'm going to think about like, okay, that seems like it's working. Now what's a number I can put around it? So the way I kind of think about it is I don't want to put a goal and just like make something up, right? Like otherwise I could failing's not fun. So, you know, for to pull a number out of thin air doesn't work for me. It just makes me feel bad about myself. Um, so this this year was kind of testing the waters and a bunch of different things. And now that I have an idea of what's working, now I can set something more tangible. Um, because I can tell you from working at a company, there were sometimes some very wild goals that were set. And they, there was no way they could be achieved because there were so many missing components and kind of like infrastructure type things that were missing to make those happen. And so, um, and then we'd go back at the end of the year, we'd say, okay, what goals did we hit? What goals did we miss? Oh, look at all the goals we didn't hit. And then, but they weren't, they weren't set up for success in the first place. Yep. So um, I think it's important to do a little bit of testing 
before you say, yup, this is definitely going to be my goal. Yep. Yeah. And I think that you're, the other thing I'm thinking of as you're talking is that when we're doing, like I can imagine, depending on, again, the stage of your business that you're in, some of this retrospective stuff that we're talking about, people might be like, I don't even know the answer to those questions. So like, how do I know the answer to if my clients are satisfied? How do I know besides the monetary? Like the, the monetary is like very clear. Like, did I make money? Did I not make money? Um, but I think sometimes our goals are often can also be like, by the end of this year, I want to be able to measure that. And like, right. then how do I think about setting up the systems to be able to measure client satisfaction in a different way or tracking my followers every every month so that I can see the incremental increase over time. Um, or if I, you know, look back at my clients that that left, um, sort of exam like thinking about a different way to examine why that was happening or like were those even the right clients? How am I developing new services and offerings moving forward? Um and then thinking about implementing those things. So it's like, it's like a wheel, right? So it's like, you're sort of, you're, you're also setting goals that are helping you better measure, which then helps you set better goals for the next year. Cause like you're saying, you don't, oh, you don't, I mean, I think, you know, cause we talk, we've talked about this a lot. I don't actually believe in like long-term goals. <laughs> I believe in like shorter term, short cycle, like flexible goals because things change constantly. And um, you have, like you said, you're, you're always learning and you're always watching your business and that enables you to set like a better goal, whether that's next month, next quarter, next year, um, than it is if you're just like, okay, by the end of 2024, I want to have X when you're sort of like pulling that out of nowhere. Right. And I think to your point about setting shorter term, kind of more, you know, maybe realistic type of goals and also like giving yourself some grace and being flexible, um, I wanted to launch a YouTube channel this year, uh, that did not happen. Um, but it was something that had kind of been in my mind and I started building the things toward it. So even though I didn't quite get there because life happened and whatnot, um, I'm, it's still like on my, in my brain, like I want to do this. I maybe can't commit to a particular date right now, but I think it's okay to have these goals. Like this is what I want to do. And I use, um, I use Trello for project management, but I have kind of a running list of these are some larger business things that I really want to do. And when the time is right, I'm going to get there. Like I, I'm going to keep, you know, if I have a little bit of time, I'll do one more thing. I'll get one step closer until finally like it's launch day and I'm ready to go. Yep. Um, and the other thing, I was listening to a podcast recently with Jay Klaus. Uh, he runs Creator Science. Um, he has a YouTube channel. He's kind of all over the place with uh, a lot of really good advice for creators and solopreneurs. And one thing he talked about was momentum and how the time to build is when you're starting like you're starting to see like that you're pushing a boulder and it's so hard because you're going straight. And then all of a sudden it starts going downhill. Now you've got momentum and that kind of feeds into this ability. Like, okay, now I, I can do this. I I know I can, I'm going to just keep picking up. Um, for me very recently, that was publishing on medium, which I have done for a long time, but very haphazardly. 
I made a very concentrated effort this month um, to publish very frequently. And all of a sudden I'm getting a huge amount of traction. So I didn't have that as a specific goal this month, um, grow on medium per se, but I had a goal to, I'm going to write something every day for medium and just see what happens. If I had not gotten a lot of traction, I probably would have just set it aside, right? Like I'll try that again. I'll test some more, see what happens. But now I am getting traction. So now I can kind of build that into my plan for next year. Like, okay, I need to actually do this regularly because it does work. Yep. Yeah, there's so much there. Um, You're hitting on a lot of the ways that I also think about goal setting, but it's like having, I think of it as like a pickle jar or project managers call it like a backlog. Or it's that place where like, I'm going to put all those things And that's another good thing to do. I encourage people to do it at least quarterly, but definitely annually, like open up that pickle jar and be like, okay, these are some of the things that I put in here. Do I want to pick one of these and like bring it forward this year and like focus on it Um, with that same approach that like you're focusing on it. Like the medium example is such a perfect one because it's like sometimes you're you don't know what the thing is going to be like you could that could help you achieve like a broader goal but you didn't know a year ago that medium was going to be the tactic that you were going to use to get there right it could have fallen totally flat and I could have written all these words and really not seen anything and then I would have said maybe that's not a good channel for me but it was a very short-term experiment I'm going to do this for the 30 days in November and see what happens turns out it worked So I could kind of commit to like a short-term goal. And so like you said, with reaching in the pickle jar, maybe it's part of your 2024 strategy is like at the beginning of the month, I'm going to reach into the pickle jar and pick something Yep, and just try it for this month, but really try, like really put the effort into it. Like I've got the bandwidth and the mental energy right now to really make a go of this and see what happens. And see if there's anything there that can then kind of build that momentum so that you can keep going the next year. Maybe it's updating your web page. Maybe it's, um, you know, changing like the pricing guide you send. I mean, it could be client facing, you know, updating the copy so that's more compelling or something like that. There's a lot of client facing variables there as well. Yeah, I feel like. Um, I was literally just talking to someone about this earlier today where something that I'm always encouraging both myself and the people that I work with to do is like, just try it on. Like, just like try on that thing. Maybe it's not going to work. You don't have to be married to it. Like, maybe that's not going to be the thing. But like, whether it's like a new, like a little bit of a new website copy, or I'm going to write every day for 30 days, or I'm going to experiment with this new service offering I'm going to cold pitch for 30 days. I'm going to cold pitch. pitch, If cold pitching is your thing, cold pitch for 30 days. Yeah. And just see, because I think a lot, we get, myself included, get caught up so many times in like, I have to have this long-term strategy and I have to make this plan and I have to think, and it has to be perfect before I I put it out there. Um, Which with so many of these things, which I think is true about life in general, like we don't, we learn by doing. And so we don't totally know what is going to get us there until we try some of the things in our pickle jar or on our list. 
Um, and so giving yourself, I love the idea of just like reaching into the pickle jar once a month or once a quarter and being like, okay, I'm going to try this new thing. I'm going to see how it yeah. goes. I'm going to learn. And then I'm going to adjust my approach moving forward based on what happens. And the amazing thing about working for yourself versus my life working for a company is that we're so nimble. Mm-hmm. 30 days may be plenty for an experiment. Um, whereas like at a company level, there was so much prep work that went into it and resources. And then it would take months usually to get like a good feel for result. I mean, you couldn't abandon it after 30 days, right? Like that, that may not be indicative of whether or not something's working. So something could be like a six month project only then to realize something wasn't working. Um, but you know, or, or trying out a new tool, or, um, you know, you know, something's not working in your business and you're like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to really try a free trial of a new tool for the 14 day trial period. But, um, in a company, you've got to bring other employees in, you've got to get everybody to try the tool together to really make sure it works. And we can be so much more nimble and run these little experiments that then lead into, in my example, like, okay, that worked. Now I can build this into my strategy in 2024 and say, now my goal is to publish twice a week. Mm-hmm. Whereas before it was like, maybe twice a month, <laughs> maybe. And um, so I'm going to set something super tangible because I'm seeing results from my little experiment. Yep. Um. Yeah. I think that's the perfect place to end this. I think let try new things and do some experiments in 2024. In addition to all the other amazing um, advice and examples that we've got. And again, and I think it's like, I think you and I having this conversation is so powerful because our work, the work that we do as freelancers is so different. It's so different. It's so different. (laughs) But it's like, it gives examples of like what it look, what it can look like. And there's still like common threads that, that obviously we're both doing no matter what. Um, but it also gives people sort of like different examples of like what it might look like to do some of these things because all of our businesses are structured very differently. Right. And we all have to think about how to build a sustainable yes, long-term business. So yep. that's also a very common thread. Yes. Um, well, thank you so, so much for being here. We'll link to all of your things in the show notes, including your, um, medium piece about this, um, vacation math that you do. Um, and, um, do you have anything else coming up in the new year that we should be highlighting or, um, plugging or talking about? I will send you a link to a new website that I am launching. And so, uh, there is not a lot up there right now, but it will be more in the new year. And, um, so I have a newsletter where I talk about different tools and kind of tips and things to make your life easier, but I've also got a new website that I launched, um, where I actually show you how to use those tools. So like it has screenshots. It's like, okay, let's say you want to do this thing that I talked about. Here's actually the steps to do that. Because I think some people learn better. They may hear about a tool, but can't necessarily make the connection about how it will work. Um, And I have a background. I spent a long time in my life actually training people how to use enterprise software. uh, And I enjoy it. So I've um, really made a commitment to, okay, I'm going to create these like tutorials and put them out um, 
on the web. So that if somebody's interested in like a particular topic or a particular type of tool, they can go there and get a, an additional resource. So I will send that to you and um, maybe I'll get some people following me there as well. In addition to all of the other things that I yes. write. Perfect. That sounds awesome. I can't wait to see it. Um, great. Well, I cannot thank you enough for being here and um, here's to a amazing 2024. Yes. Cheers to that.